Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pants on Fire, Exposing Ruling Class Lies. In today's episode, we talk to Andres, who is the president and CEO of a nonprofit organization called Inclusion Americas. He's also a co-chair of the Americas Subcommittee of CPUSA's Peace and Solidarity Commission. We also talk to Alvaro, who is the chair of the International Department of CPUSA, as well as the Texas District Chair. We discuss the U.S.-Mexico border and how U.S. imperialism is creating a crisis. We hope you enjoy. So in the uh, in the Peace and Solidarity Commission, you're on the the Committee for the Americas. Uh, what what types of uh, work are you guys working on in that in that particular committee? We're we're seeking a greater understanding and solidarity with the popular movements of Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, we do so by uh, encouraging uh, members of the party and other colleagues and comrades to prepare to write articles that for both for general public as well as for members of the party, uh, illuminating issues, uh, doing in-depth analysis of issues related to the politics of the countries of Latin America and the relationship between the U.S., and the other countries of all of the Americas, of the 35 countries of the Americas, work with existing solidarity groups, such as those working with with Cuba, with Venezuela, uh, and in with other Latin American countries, uh, to uh, pr- to promote uh, a genuine understanding and peace and solidarity uh, among the people of the Americas. Mm-hmm. So there's lots going on in the Americas, obviously. And so this conversation today, we're talking about Mexico and the the U.S.-Mexico border specifically. And um, I a few weeks ago, Greg Abbott declared that there was a an invasion at the border. And so um, I guess could you provide a little bit of context and uh, and background on? I know it's not a new idea. Uh, You know, this has been going on for a long time. Right. And in fact, it wasn't really uh, it was a a a tweet and a press release that came out of Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott's office that's that stated that there that in his view, there was an invasion occurring along the border uh, as of right before Thanksgiving. And uh, but what it really was, was an amplification of the existing policy uh, of Operation Lone Star that's been uh, uh, put in place by the Abbott administration that has state police uh, officials, including uh, the Department of Public Safety, which is essentially their highway patrol, and the, and the Texas Rangers and the National Guard conduct vigilance of the border uh, between Texas and the United States. Let's keep in mind that of the land border, two-thirds of the land border between the U.S. and Mexico is the state of Texas. So that they play an outsized role in the in borderlands uh, relationships between Mexico and the United States. And uh, just earlier this, this year, the, the same Governor Abbott uh, began a campaign of pretty much halting border uh, land commerce 
because the trucks coming across the border to, uh, to either leave off materials or pick up materials, the semi-trailers were being stopped one by one to be inspected because the Abbott's administration claimed that these trucks were carrying immigrants. In fact, actually, the incidents that we heard that we heard of where immigrants died in the back of these container and these semi-trucks, it wasn't because they were brought across the border. They were picked up on the U.S. side of the border, and these trucks abandoned them. So it, there was never any evidence that immigrants were being uh, crossed uh, from these uh, cargo trucks. But nevertheless, as a political stunt, Abbott pursued it to such an extent that the uh, the uh, the truck operators made a deal and they 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 created an entry point just west of El Paso through the state of New Mexico, uh, and this actually in the end harmed Texas's ability to uh, to earn uh, money from the from the ground trade, and it was really an, another kind of like. Uh, uh, you know, cut off my nose to spite my face move on the part of the Abbott administration, uh, claiming that undocumented immigrants were being brought over uh, by these uh, cargo trucks, and that wasn't that wasn't any in any way true. Uh, so this is also in the context of him having a declared Operation Lone Star, uh, in which Texas is trying to implement U.S. immigration policy, which of course is illegal because no single state can implement U.S. immigration policy, does not have the authority to do so. But in that context, then uh, right after his big election win uh, against Beto O'Rourke on November 8th uh, and right and around the, the week of uh, coming close to Thanksgiving, we have him making this declaration. Actually, I believe it was the week before Thanksgiving. It was the uh, uh, the 16th of November that he made this declaration that there was an invasion. And we've seen a, another Republican governor who is now leaving office because of term limits, Doug Ducey of Arizona, who most recently has been trying to put container, uh, container boxes that go with the cargo trucks and the trains and the boats on the border as, as a pseudo border wall. And in fact, there now there's uh, demonstrations by pro-immigrant groups that are preventing any further construction of this of this container border wall uh, while Ducey remains in office. Ducey was trying to to put this in place right before he leaves office as governor at the beginning of of January. So you have not only the Abbots of the world, you have the Ducies of the world doing similar kinds of. Uh, actions uh, unilaterally as a state, supposedly on the assertion that there is a, a border invasion occurring between Mexico and the United States. Yeah, I mean, this was the basis of Trump's campaign and his ca announcement to run for president was that the the people crossing the border were what do you say? Bad hombres, of, you know, the right. Rape. They were rapists. They were murderers, uh, gang members, uh, thieves. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, that was the, that was the premise of Trump's uh, original campaign when he came down that elevator. I believe it was in 2015 when he came down the elevator and because because the election itself was in 2016. It's part of the uh, the scapegoating. Uh, and the creation of a mythology about 
what in fact is happening when immigrants come across the border. A large number of the immigrants coming across the border today are people who are seeking either asylum or, or refugee status coming from uh, countries where there are uh, tremendous uh, conflicts and, and, uh, and pressures and social issues and humanitarian crises, uh, including, um, uh, including Haiti, for example. And you could even say Venezuela uh, to, to a large extent, and partly because there's, there, there's a, there are conflicts there and not, uh, related to the U.S. attempt to try to manipulate and, and, and starve out the Venezuelan government. But we, but Haiti is a clear choice of where there's a humanitarian crisis. Uh, but but people are coming from other countries as well. People are coming in from Cuba, a large degree because of the 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 tightening of of these of the sanctions, the economic sanctions on the blockade, in part because of the collapse of the tourist economy, uh, given uh, the good given COVID, uh, in, in part because there was a tightening of the U.S. economic blockade during the Trump administration, uh, with measures that were not uh, that were not eliminated by the Biden administration, we're seeing possibly a hundred thousand Cubans coming across into the United States during calendar year 2022, uh, unprecedented in the post-revolutionary history of Cuba. So there are many things happening in the world. Some of them are the blowback of U.S. interventions. In, in other countries, such as the U.S. interventions or the sanctions on Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, but also many of these other countries are facing extreme economic hardship. But it, it, does, it does not constitute in any way, way, shape, or form an invasion. Uh, what it does constitute is a, a, a series of challenges created by, uh, by in part, U.S. policy in part economic necessity. Uh, and, and there had been these policies, uh, for example, the Title 42, that claimed that for health reasons due to the pandemic, the U.S. could prevent people from crossing the border. And that's in part what inspired the warehousing of immigrants along the U.S.-Mexican border. Because if you apply for a refugee or asylee status and you, and you claim that status at the border, you're supposed to be allowed to stay in the U.S. well while they are processing your claim. But what they were, the U.S. government was doing in the Trump administration was it was requiring the people to to wait for their 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 hearing on the on the Mexican side of the U.S.-Mexican border, which in fact was a violation of U.S. immigration policy and was a, a violation of Mexican sovereignty. Hmm. Now, Title 42, that's that's a uh, Trump era policy, right? That was in, enacted, you know, yeah. as a way to. Uh... Title 42 existed before Trump, but it wasn't really used in any uh, massive way. It was in, only in Trump when it became an excuse to keep uh, people who were crossing the border uh, uh, and applying for refugee or asylum status from from staying in the U.S. while they were awaiting the decision on their status. Yeah, and so that's so, so Title Forty Two was actually an existing uh, provision of of immigration law uh, that was to be used in extraordinary circumstances, but became used 
in a in in a, in a, in a daily exercise by uh, by the border, border patrol un, uh, under the Trump administration. What's going on with? Uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. That you know, I think that people in the U.S., uh, especially like reactionaries and conservatives, they see this impending wave of migrants coming across the border and they're they're fearful about that they're fearful that uh it's going to exhaust resources for u.s citizens uh it's gonna you know right. you just and and i think that there's this there's this idea that they're coming from mexico and that's not necessarily the case right i mean a lot of them well are right not- well in fact most of the immigrants that are coming across the border are not from Mexico. They're coming across the Mexican border, but they're they're traveling through Mexico to get to the United States. And that's that, of course, the Guatemalans, the Salvadorans, the the, the Hondurans, even the Nicaraguans and, and the and the Cubans and Venezuelans are coming through uh, and the Haitians uh, as well as people from other countries, including African country countries. Mm-hmm. They're coming uh into the u.s via mexico mexican migration uh it, it continues for the most part uh there are other strategies that mexicans uh, mexican uh, immigrants have partly many of them already have family in the united states uh some of them are able to actually travel uh with tourist visas and then overstay their visas uh, there are some Mexican immigrants that are that are being caught up in in the in these uh, in border crossers that we're seeing now, but it, it's not primarily Mexican immigrants. It's actually interesting to, as well that from about 2008, uh, beginning with the economic crisis of the of the of the 2007-8 period, Mexican migration was all was flat. Uh, in fact, uh, Mexican there was no. In- increase in, in net Mexican migration roughly from 2009 until 2019 is it for some reason right before the pandemic ended and there might have been some economic changes occurring in Mexico you began to get Mexican immigration again but it's not in it's not in very large numbers and and of course the the Mexican people crossers who get across they're they're not applying for uh for refugee or asylee status, so uh, percentage-wise, relatively few of the migrants coming the border over the border themselves are from Mexico. So a lot of a lot of the, I guess a lot of the myths that that people have uh, that are they're going around about this is that they are these are illegal uh, aliens. They call right. them. They right. are coming to exhaust all of our social safety net resources they come over they cross the border so that they can get on our what little limited welfare system that we do have in the u.s and and of course then there's also the uh the idea that they're taking american jobs they're taking the u.s and um so it's interesting that the the distinction is that the uh, what we're seeing today at the border is uh, mostly asylum seekers, right, or refugee seekers. Right. So what's people the, seeking refugee status 
Well, you know, it's interesting. It, it came to my mind. Uh, of course, a lot of the the Mexican and 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 some of the Central American, they're 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 coming across uh, with uh, 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 temporary agricultural visas, and they can get uh, they can get across the border because they have these visas. The H two A program, we're actually having a a revival of the Bracero program uh, from the fifties and sixties. It's done under the H two A where where uh, these uh, farm corporations, industrial farms, agribusiness, they recruit uh, uh, foreign workers under the auspices of this uh, visa system to basically hire indentured servants that are that are farm workers in the US, people paid under the minimum wage, People with no health benefits whatsoever. Those who stay around, they have to go to Medi-Cal, but they're not uh, or Medicaid, but they're not eligible because they're temporary uh, workers. That's, I mean, the, the real the real myth is that immigrants are not uh, are coming here to either freeload or commit crimes. The vast majority of the Central American and Mexican immigrants that come uh, as as immigrants come as workers to do jobs that no, no U.S. citizen is doing. Uh, we saw during the pandemic that, that a large number of farm workers were suffering from COVID infections uh, and, and, and unbearable working conditions uh, with, with less than minimum wage and no health benefits. And then this again, we're, we're seeing uh, in the current situation. In the case of Mexicans, many of the Many of the farm workers coming over are actually indigenous people, Zapotec, Mixtec speaking people, who are the who are the ones who are the most desperate in terms of trying to earn income. So a, a good part of U.S. immigration by Mexicans and Central Americans to the United States is driven by people who are coming to work and doing essential work, such as uh, such as crop picking in agriculture or, or, or food processing. It's interesting that the states that have the largest numbers of these H2A workers who, have, who are the agricultural workers, and there's a version of it for construction workers, are in the states of California and Florida, <laughs> uh, come to think of it. Now, none of these people are crossing the border as refugees. The, the refugee problem is a whole other, a whole other element to, to this, because in fact, it's a, it's a very diverse set of immigrants coming across the border for a variety of reasons. And uh, th th that's again, another myth that people are just coming in across because they want to live off of social services. And as you described, they cannot because it's illegal for, <laughs> for these people to have access to social services or healthcare, publicly supported healthcare. Uh, it is true in California, in this last year, that the Medi-Cal program was expanded by the state to include all, all workers, regardless of immigration status. So mm -hmm. undocumented people in California can have access to, uh, to needs-based, income-based uh, Medi uh, Medicaid, which in California is called Medi-Cal. Mm -hmm. But that's a very narrow, and that's not what we would call welfare in the sense that these are people who are working but they don't earn enough income uh nor are they nor do they have access for benefits 
So that, of course, the Medi the Medicaid program uh, is a solution for them to have health care insurance, as any other worker should have. I want to uh, discuss this this article I just saw this morning from the New York Times that says, you know, the mass migrant crossing floods Texas border facilities. And it's talking about, you know, thousands of uh, people that have crossed uh, into into West Texas. So at the El Paso right order and it it does seem like they are coming from nicaragua mostly yeah yeah uh there's some venezuelans there too uh what's interesting about that is um i'm not sure how as i understood it a number of the of these Im uh, immigrants and apparently uh, apparently the there were more venezuelans going east of el paso but the ones who had gathered here, apparently they had been caught under the earlier, some of them, under the earlier Title 42 before, before Biden administration withdrew 42 protections or, or utilized Title 42 for all immigrants and then just focused on Venezuelans. Apparently some of these Nicaraguans had been also in Mexico waiting for the processing of their immigration applications. Uh, and that they're 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 now going across after having been on the Mexican side for a while, and others were, were more recently arrivals from from uh, Nicaragua because there is now a, a growing number of migrants coming from Nicaragua, uh, given the well, given the, the the economic and political turmoil there uh, since for the last four, four, three or four years, yeah. Mm -hmm. It does, but, seem but, but again, these Nicaraguans are also claiming refugee status. And so, you talked about refugee status and asylum status. Right. Uh, what is the, I guess, the distinction between those two different types of? of well, status? asylum is kind of, I think, an immediate. Uh, there's an immediate need because of an immediate threat, uh, and and refugee is a little bit more longer term, saying that people can't make a life because they're. They're, they're they're unable to make a regular life given the circumstances of their of the government of their country and uh and that sort of thing uh they're they're very similar but uh, asylum has a much more uh immediate uh threat of of, of uh danger to life and livelihood yeah so I mean, they are uh, the media is covering this as as though it is a uh, immigration. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is they've got like drone footage of these people, right? Coming across, it's dramatic. Okay, the reason it's dramatic is because because it looks like on this this large queue of people is because these folks had had been waiting on the Mexican side. And the word got through that the the date of this uh, of the court restriction was 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 being uh, had been reached, so that there no longer was the restriction on forty two, and that's why they were crossing the border. Uh, so in, folks had been waiting in, in large part, and of course that that then reinforces this image that there's a, that quote unquote there's an invasion that thousands hundreds of thousands of people want to cross. Many many of this was just bottled up, people waiting on the Mexican side, and now that the that the restriction has been lifted, 
uh, they're they're crossing the border, uh, uh, and and of course they've been crossing Mexico for the land border, and I guess they're interviewing these folks. Uh, yeah. Now the it could also be that some of the immigrants that were waiting in other parts of Mexico with a, with a release of Title Forty Two. Uh, felt that now was an appropriate time to 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 go. Uh, I would I would have to I wouldn't know exactly why El Paso became the place for this particular crossing. Typically, it's been the other border, Texas border crossings, because you have to imagine that El Paso and Juarez uh, are are like sister cities. That the downtown of Juarez is right on the border. You can walk right across into El Paso. There's a lot of, there's thousands of border crossings every day. 20% of the students at the University of Texas El Paso live on the Juarez side, our Mexican nationals that go to college on the, on the Texas side in El Paso. So this type of crossing in El Paso is, is uh, quite unusual. You don't see people crossing over the river. You see people just walking over the land bridge. Uh, yeah. with, uh, so and you know, El Paso is not new to people crossing the border, uh, but it is new to having people crossing in this this manner, uh, who obviously are not the regular commuters that go across the border. Yeah. So I mean, it just seems like I guess to just to to think about a family that is fleeing some harmful, dangerous conditions in one of these Central or South American countries. Right. They, obviously don't have the resources to just get on a plane and fly here. Right. So right. They Although they do expend quite a bit of resources paying some of these smugglers, uh, these coyotes, uh, take quite a considerable sum of money. And Cubans will spend $12,000 or more to cross the border. Because uh, the, the problem with, with, with many of that, many of the people trying to cross the border, they can't get on an airplane. Uh, one, there's limited flight service out of Cuba, and 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 two, there's there's you have to have a passport and visa requirement, uh, a visa stamps to come in from selected countries on an airplane. So you can't get on an airplane so easily, so readily. Although many of these migrants are actually spending large sums of money to cross the border. Mm -hmm. And that's something a lot of these articles don't really talk about is that. Uh that little business, the business side of it from, right. uh, from the coyotes and, and just how dangerous this is and uh -huh. the amount of deaths. I saw something talking about the, the amount of deaths uh, from border crossings and how the data is like not even, we don't even know how accurate that data is because it's underreported, but uh -huh. people are drowning trying to cross the border um obviously we had the big story with the, the people in the in the truck uh that was also in texas but um you know what does it what does it look like for someone fleeing let's just say they're fleeing nicaragua how do they get to the u.s how do they get to the border and what right. how do they get to el paso Actually, I was I was I, you made me want to look back at the actual definition in uh, the U.S. of an asylum and refugee. Uh -huh. uh, technically, a refugee is in a, a refugee can can apply for refugee status from a third country. 
uh, they're seeking refugee status, and an asylee faces the same conditions as a refugee, but for some reason makes it into the United States and files a claim in the United States. And the people who are crossing the border, uh, it's interesting, the, pre the people who are crossing the border, uh, the border uh, by foot uh, can actually fit in the, under either one of those categories because if they've already stepped foot in the United States, they can seek asylum, uh, which is in a sense a special kind of refugee status. But you can apply for refugee status outside of the United States. You don't have to cross the border. So the border, is, it's kind of like a, it, it's a gray zone in a certain point between asylum and refugee status. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, all, all, all asylees are refugees, but not all refugees are asylees. That's, hmm. that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, those are the legal definitions. Now, in terms of what an international definition of an asylee is, that's another story. But uh, it, it, what a, this this was what the legal U.S. definition is, and I do see like the you know the Biden administration, you know, is is continuing some of these Trump era policies, uh, and and in some cases, I saw an article on NBC News, right, the the Biden administration working to slash the number of migrants who would qualify for asylum. So right. If well, that number well, increases, because every every country is assigned a certain number of well, there's an overall number, and then there's a per country number, and and the the Department of Homeland Security can determine uh, based on circumstances what those numbers should be. So yes. they're getting criticized for supposedly letting too many people in in, in the border. And then they're also getting criticized for reducing the number of refugees and asylees, particularly from given countries. Uh, and that's uh, uh, they're trying to they're trying to conduct a balancing act, and it's not exactly working. What would would work would be a what would work better would be some kind of transparency about the number of refugees and uh, explaining why a certain number is justified given the circumstances of countries uh, across the Americas and, and, and throughout the world. Uh, it's also interesting that the Biden administration is, is taking some small steps. Uh, for example, they returned to the Obama-era policy of only uh, deporting people who have committed serious crimes and not for solely those who violated immigration law. So they, they don't want to expand, as Obama's administration did, they don't want to expend uh, uh, all the policing resources of ICE to to try to to try to deport people who are here illegally. Uh, they're 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 only focusing on those who commit capital crimes, such as you know robbery, uh, burglary, uh, well robbery, uh, 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 murder, physical physical assault. Those those type of, of quote unquote criminals are the ones that are being sought by ICE now. And of course, the Biden administration is getting criticism saying that, that anybody who violates immigration law should also be subject to deportation, uh, even though they're minding their own business and working and, and having a, 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 a fruitful and safe life. So th mm -hmm. there are those things going on right now too. 
uh, we have to remember that during the Trump administration, we had a group of ideologues uh, and racists uh, such as Stephen Miller, and these people were uh, were aggressively going after all types of immigrants. Uh, there are also the Border Patrol uh, uh, Officers Union is an incredibly pro-MAGA, uh, proto-fascist organization. If you look at their Twitter feed, they call themselves the Border Patrol Union. They, they, that's not their formal name. They were kicked out of the AFL-CIO in the summer. And since then, they've become even more rapidly uh, Trumpy and Republican and, and criticizing everything that Mayorkas does, everything that the Biden administration does. It's a daily feed on, on Twitter. It's, it, it, could be, it could be QAnon and, it, and it's representing the it, this is the This is the guild that repre represents the Border Patrol workers. And this is, a, this is a big problem because if the enforcement people themselves have an ideological view of what's going on on the border, then that means they're not really serving the greater U.S. interests. They're serving some other interests, uh, the interests of, of, of a proto-fascist movement in the U.S. Hmm. Yeah, I, and, and that's... I, I, I encourage you to look at the... You can get angry half the time, but get on the Twitter feed of the Border Patrol Union, and you they're obviously anti-Democrat in any shape or form. They're, they're anti-Joe Biden, They criticize any public official that defends immigrants. Uh, the language is combative and it's demeaning uh, and it's racist and it's anti-immigrant. Of course. Yeah. I think that's the... Well, huh. the but how, when in U.S. history have we had the organized arm of the Border Patrol coming out publicly and supporting right-wing candidates? This is something of the last four or five years Well, remember Trump, Trump's first presidential campaign, he said, he said that he represented the ICE. What he meant to uh, say is he represented Border Patrol workers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a, that was kind of a, a, a self-report uh, on right. him, to, a little slip of the tongue there. Yeah, well, I he, mean, what he, thought it was a, he thought it was a badge of honor. What do you think the, this is that, I mean, is it just, is it just flat out racism? Is it xenophobia that's fueling this, that this, this fear mongering that we see in the, in the media, especially the more right wing media? Yes, it's part of the agenda. Uh, it's, it's part of this overall agenda to divide the white working class, to divide the working class. Uh, into these categories that are uh, imposed. I mean, the racialization of Latin Americans, of, of Mexicans, Central Americans, Caribbeans, that, that's, that's a social construct. Because, I mean, these folks, are, uh, they, these folks come, uh, come from nations. They're, they're nationalities. They have national origin. There's no such thing as a Salvadoran race or a Mexican race or, or, or a Honduran race. Uh, they're all they're all nationalities. None of them are races. But in, in the concept of racism in the U.S., in in the structure of racism, people who are Latin American uh, are are considered to be of a race, of a brown race, which doesn't exist. It's in the fantasy of the racist, of the proto-fascist. And uh, you know, for example, well, uh, in the history of the U.S., this was particularly uh, the the racialization. Of, of Latin American and Caribbean people was particularly 
uh, strong against Mexicans and Puerto Ricans because these are the two people that are the, have been the, have the longest history with the United States. And in fact, for a long period of time, people, you know, racist folks in Southern California and in the borderlands uh, would call Central Americans Mexicans because in their view, all, all these folks looked the same. Uh, you know, there, there was this famous incident where the, there were these uh, Salvadoran workers that had a union in Los Angeles in the early 1990s and these hecklers would drive by on the street telling them to go back to Mexico when they were Salvadorans. Uh, so there's this confusion in the U.S. racial hierarchy and ideology about the role that uh, that uh, pe Latino people play. And a lot of people assume that folks are Mexicans when they're not. But, uh, but there's also an anti-immigrant element to this, the other, the foreigner. Uh, uh, hello, Alvaro. Uh, we're talking about right now the the elements of racism and xenophobia that are involved in these movements uh, that uh, anti-immigrant movements and these uh, these uh, these border closer people. Uh, you know, to what extent is it racism? To what is extent is it xenophobia? Well, I think the two play off of each other, uh, and there is an anti-immigrant element because. There's a sense that people are coming from uh, another country abroad, uh, outside of the U.S., and because there's an existing racial hierarchy in the U.S. where brown people are considered a race instead of nationalities, and that we see that we see in the uh, in in the MAGA right this tendency to try to divide the working class by separating out immigrants and Latinos as being people who are supposedly not part of the same working class. But of course, this serves the interests of the powers that be, particularly the right-wing, uh, self-appointed Christian nationalists, because it becomes a, an ideological focus uh, that that brings people away from class unity uh, and 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 towards uh, uh, further segregation and racial treatment. They are uh, they're looking for scapegoats, right? right. Exactly. This is, this is an easy scapegoat to they certainly don't want us workers to to have class consciousness and to be aware of what's really going on right andres kind of went through and gave gave a, an overview of of the background of of the uh the 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 crisis and the the what uh, abbott is calling an invasion at the border and and so i've been asking questions about you know who are the people that are crossing the border and what uh what is it that's that's fueling this uh the way the media describes it, it it is like this unprecedented surge of of migrant crossings and um we've been trying to connect the dots a little bit to u.s policy and and u.s imperialism right uh i'm sure that andres uh offered a very good explanation of the whole context in which this issue is being discussed uh, i think it's it's good even if if i have uh, cover some of the same ground i think it's good to discuss the root cause of the migration issue uh, the root cause is that well there's been migration uh, in, between our countries in the americas for forever so this is a, a regular pattern uh i know my 
uh, I'm an immigrant from Mexico myself, and my 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 relatives live on both sides of the border, have lived on both sides of the border for decades and decades. And uh, so it, it was very natural, you know, obviously uh, uh, Mexicans have been part of uh, Texas and Southwest for since the, back in the, in, in the 1500s. And uh, so uh, this is a natural home for, for many of us. And, uh, but the more, more recent migration problems that we've seen from Central America is driven primarily by U.S. imperialist policies in in in, in the Americas, where uh, a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the countries in the in Central America and other areas in Southern Mexico and other areas uh, are driven to immigrate. Many many of the uh, people are driven to immigrate based because of uh, deliberate policy that they were designed to drive. Campesinos, rural workers from from these countries into the United States to work under precarious conditions of insecurity, of legal insecurity, in order to uh, drive up profits in the United States. Uh, for the purposes uh, of of this, uh, the uh, there was an agreement, the NAFTA agreements were one of them, uh, and then later it was modified, but. Its um, its purpose is, is mainly super exploitation and, and increased profits from uh, immigrant labor, and um, so that's a driver from the U.S. side, from 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 their side in in Latin America and southern Mexico and other areas, in other areas of the world, because immigrants are coming in from all over the world. It's because they're driven out because of uh, lack of uh, job opportunities. Uh, there is insecurity in their own countries because of the gang wars uh, and, and, and the drug wars. There are a lot of which were prompted by the U.S. policy. And, um, uh, and uh, they're, they're driven by, by the treaties that have made it, uh, their economic livelihood in those countries unsustainable uh, by forcing them to compete with, uh, with uh, U.S. US uh, supported U.S. Uh, supported agribusinesses, which are major scale agribusinesses that are supported by taxpayer money. And they're trying to compete with uh, subsistence farmers uh, in, in, in the Americas. So that's not fair. Uh, the main driver as far as the fear in the media is the main driver, as Andres mentioned, is, is that uh, immigrants are being used as a football uh, to win elections in the United States, uh, the, primarily it's the uh, is the Republicans that are doing that. But the but the Democrats are also playing identity politics, uh, and neither one uh, neither one of their administrations is really interested in solving this problem. Um, uh, there's a, the Biden administration, for instance, in the first few days after the uh, after the, the the new administration was in effect, offered a comprehensive immigration policy. None of which has actually been implemented, and um, so uh, the reason being is that uh, they're, they're they're fighting over this sector of the community with the upcoming elections. Anyway, uh, so the, the driver for this is is super profits, and the reason it continues to be in the media is because of uh, they're using the this crisis of immigrants or migrants to create uh, to 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 get votes in. Uh, hmm. And they're putting people's lives at risk. Uh, many people, I was, when I uh, migrated to this country, 
uh, at the age of three, uh, we lived right on the border on the Rio Bravo. So I could see bodies floating down the river that were trying to cross the, uh, this barrier. And uh, so that is the consequence of this policy, of which is an inhuman policy. There's no. And of course, now that. now we're seeing uh, bodies in the de- in the desert in Arizona right. and 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 Sonora, uh, hundreds of bodies that never get reported, uh, right. as if these people never existed. Yeah. That's correct. I mean, uh, this uh, instead of uh, seeing this as a humanitarian crisis, uh, it's seen more as a, as promoted as an invasion. As an invasion by people that do not respect U.S. Uh, laws, and uh, that's contrary to the facts. Uh, they come out of pure necessity. They leave their 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 lives behind in their countries. Their culture is left behind to go into a new country, and and, and then the, now they have to uh, uh, go through all this obstacle course in getting to the United States, and driven into more remote areas and risking their lives. And many have died, as Andres mentioned, in the process. So this is a, a, a hum, uh, humanity, human crisis, human rights issue. Also, we, we talked about just the the overall myth that like th- these people are are coming to to take jobs from from the U.S. Like they're taking our jobs. And uh, and Andres kind of touched on that, that that's not. I think the important not the thing case. to state here, Kyle, with respect to this myth, is that immigrants or migrants that are coming to this country have no control over the jobs. Those mm-hmm. are controlled by U.S. employers, and they have no problem finding jobs in this country. And uh, because employers l- like to hire them in, in the rest in the service industry, in the construction industry because they, uh, they're hard workers and, uh, and they work for very little. So, uh, so that is the reason that uh, they're, they're hired by U.S. employers. If the U.S. wanted to implement legal policies, they should also state that it's illegal for these employers to hire undocumented workers, yet they do it all the time. And, uh, and none of them has been arrested for this. They're arresting uh, uh, women and children and putting them in cages. Uh, yet these employers are making super profits from, uh, from, from uh, migrants uh, are not getting punished. So this is a double standard and inhumane standard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, you know, we've talked about why neither side you know, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, you know, in in a lot of ways, they are the same side in this particular issue. Uh, They're on the side of capital. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's money to be made in, and there's less money to be made in any actual real solutions. Exactly. Uh, the, The president of Mexico has initiated a jobs program in southern Mexico planting trees that help the environment and also help families in that area to survive. And, uh, 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 and, and so he has offered this to the Biden administration every time the issue of, uh, of, of the uh, uh, immigrant uh, caravans or the migrant caravans come get through. And, uh, and the Biden administration has yet to implement any of these programs because uh, 
this would keep a, a lot of people employed in their own countries where they want to be. And, uh, but that those programs have not been put into place. So that shows you there's no, not a good faith uh, effort going on here. No, I, I mean, I think that's the point that I wish, I wish that more people would get that is that neither, neither party in the U.S. that, that, that acts like it cares about this, like at the end of the day, they want more workers to exploit. They want more easily exploitable workers. So why would they do anything? That's right. And they want them to work under uh, precarious conditions. They don't want them to work under legal conditions because if they wanted them to work under legal conditions, there's huge amount of labor demand in this country. The United States policy could be easily changed so that the, the United States government could issue immigration visas uh, or uh, uh, in, in those countries, whether it's in El Salvador or, or Guatemala or, or Honduras or in Mexico, they could issue those visas so that the people can come to this country with legal visas. They could do that if 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 they were really serious about about this issue, but they're not. So, in terms of um, our our struggle, you know, in the Communist Party, in the in the broader anti-imperialist movement, you know, what are what are some of the things that that we should be doing? What type of uh, of work and, and struggle should we be doing to to just raise awareness, raise consciousness of this issue? I think we should uh, respond to, to the concerns about what's happening with respect to migration. Why, what is the root causes of it? And what are the solutions? The solutions is to create jobs in, in the Americas for everybody in this country as well. And uh, so we need a jobs program. That is the root, the root solution. We need to stop the policies of U.S. imperialist policies of the uh, International Monetary Fund and the World Bank that, uh, that plunder these countries and leave them with very limited resources and that uh, are used to uh, further uh, investment uh, interests, capital interest in those countries. So we need to change those policies and to treat uh, refugees with uh, in accordance to international norms, and to uh, and to treat uh, immigrants in a humane manner. So that's what has to that, that has to happen. Uh, it's our responsibility to identify the root causes of this problem and to identify the how is this this issue is being used politically by by the Republicans primarily and also by Democrats. So uh, what we want is a comprehensive immigration reform with a right, an expeditious uh, right to citizenship for uh, immigrants to this country. They want to stay in this country and, 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 and find a legal route for immigrants to, to get here without risking their lives and the rights of their family members. Uh, so we need a humane immigrant immigration policy, comprehensive immigration policies. We want to... Uh, to ensure that uh, the children that were brought here by their parents uh, are, are given uh, an opportunity to stay in this country since they are established a country and uh, establish a, uh, a life in this country. So this is the DACA program. 
uh, we we're in favor of giving them uh, a permanent residency and and a, a quick path for citizenship. Hmm. So we we have gone uh, all over the place. We were looking at pictures from this uh, New York Times article, and it's it was talking about. So we've we've talked about Nicaragua. We've talked about Venezuela. Um, you know, the specifically with it seems like El Paso is is in the is in the news right now. That's the that's the main focus. But you know, we talked about all the all the uh, the other border crossings. Arizona, California, and then down like in Brownsville and Rio Grande Valley. Mm-hmm. And so I think we 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 covered a lot of uh we covered a lot of ground, but is there anything um that you wanted to discuss uh specifically with regard to the the US Mexico border? Uh no, just want to emphasize that we need to address the root cause of, of mm-hmm. this migration issue. Uh, also, in addition to that, I forgot to mention that in addition to those problems of U.S. imperialist policy in the region, we also have a drought. That I said, you know, uh, dry. We have a dry problem. We have a lack of water now in in, in the southern hemisphere, and that's creating a lot of problems for uh, people who make a living, farmers, particularly campesinos, and so that's also driving them off the land. But there's a deliberate policy, and there has been a deliberate policy which is not discussed at all in the New York Times or anywhere else about how there's a deliberate policy to drive campesinos off their land, the Hido land. A lot of the land in Mexico after the revolution became communal land. Mm-hmm. So the farmers had communal rights, but those rights have been undermined by the local neoliberal policies of the local governments and, and also undermined by U.S. policies and, and agreements. The idea is to withdraw water from the farmers and also withdraw price supports and withdraw uh, uh, aid to the farmers so they would be driven off the land. And now the, the, the this communal land that was not able to sell, people that had communal land that could not sell their property are now allowed to sell their property. So they're selling their property at very low rates so they can leave and immigrate to the United States. So this is not mentioned, but it should be mentioned. That is still, uh, that was a cost of the neoliberal implementation policy in the Americas. Um, Mm-hmm. I think there's there's no mention of that at all. I would suggest, uh, Kyle, that uh, I'm going to send you a copy of the CPUSA's uh, pamphlet on on immigration. Uh, it's called "Myths and uh, and and, uh, and Fake News" or something like that. And and it 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 answers a lot of these questions in great detail by by people that are knowledgeable on the issue and. Uh, so I think that that'll be good to have that on hand. I will send that to you, Kyle. Okay, that'd be great. I think I have a, a print copy of it, and um, if we and I think that we printed them. The Austin Club actually printed them ourselves, so I think yeah. we have access to the digital, the PDF file. And so, right. what I could do is when we publish this this episode, I can put a link to that in the episode notes, That's so right. that uh, so that listeners can can read it. A, a part of democracy is to have an informed electorate and the electorate in this country is not informed, has been misinformed with fake news about uh, uh, migrants uh, uh, migrating to this country. 
and uh, and that's the reason that a lot of people are are reacting in a knee jerk fashion, and uh, because they've been misinformed about this issue, and uh, I think we need to uh, state what the facts are, and then create a humane policy for uh, to deal with this uh, humanitarian issue. I think the key word is humane, and mm -hmm. and you know I think that what we're seeing with this sort of fascist rise all around the world not just in the u.s but just everywhere is is a lack of empathy and a lack of compassion and not seeing these people as human beings that's correct and and the, this migration issues in the united states is very similar to what's happening in migration uh between uh africa and europe and so this migration is is worldwide it's not just in our hemisphere and uh yeah, but it's driven by the same factors: lack of opportunities, uh, inequality between the between the developed capitalist countries and the developing countries. So uh, this is what drives drives the uh, the migration, uh, basically yeah. inequality and lack of opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing that you know for the U.S. to you know, we invade these countries and, and we extract their resources and their wealth. And then we blame the people for leaving and coming here. But it's like, <laughs> we took everything. Well, one, one of the uh, myths that's been spread is that, that immigrants come into this country uh, to, supplement, uh, to supplant uh, the, cult, the European culture that was, that's already here. This is a falsehood. Like I said, the migration has been going on for for, for centuries, and uh, and uh, Mexican people, for instance, or Latin Latin people, have been in this country for for for, for long, very long time, mm -hmm. and uh, and and also many of the migrants that come to this country are look are looking for uh, job opportunities. They really don't come to stay. Most of them do not come to stay. If they were, uh, uh, if they were allowed to go back home, uh, go back and forth, or, or go back home, they would do so. They cannot go back home now because the borders is closed, and, and they will find it very difficult to get back into the country uh, to to continue their job employment or or, or other opportunities. So consequently, they ha they have to stay here, establish their own families here. But it's not of their primary choice. Their primary choice is to come, earn some money, go back home with their loved mm -hmm. ones they left behind, their grand their parents, their grandparents, their their own communities. Nobody comes here uh, pretty much out of free choice. They come out here out of necessity. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to understand the problem. Yeah, I mean, I've got a friend who. Um her her husband is from El Salvador and so all of her in-laws you know some of them are still in El Salvador some of them are in California and they they can't go visit their their family because they don't have green cards they won't be let back in that's correct that's correct and sometimes what's happening is that uh Parents are being deported, or or sometimes children are being deported back to 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 those uh, not back to but uh, to those countries. They were not even born there. They 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 haven't been. If they they were brought as children, they their right. countries are, are now not their home anymore. So this is very inhumane uh, policy. Yeah, and it goes to like just 
just the the definition of of whiteness and how that has changed and evolved over time. I mean, you know, the 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 immigration of Irish people into this country, they were not seen as as white at first, you know, and then Italians were not seen as white. And then a few generations later, they have a new class of people that they look down on. And so then Italian people become white. And, you know, I think that's that right. Was, I mean, that, right at one point, the official language of the United States uh, was going to be German because the majority of, of people in this country were German and, and they left Germany. They were migrants from, from Germany. And uh, so this is a country of immigrants. And it's been said again and again. Some people agree in general with that concept uh, but they say, well, yes, but all immigration should be legal. Well, there's nothing. We're saying, why don't we go ahead and make it legal for people to migrate to this country? We obviously have a, a, a labor shortage. Uh, there's huge demands for labor in this country. Uh, why don't we give immigrants, migrants, uh, the same rights to to uh, same labor rights as 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 U.S. workers? Uh, why don't we allow them to join unions and, and then uh, negotiate uh, higher higher prices? If people are concerned about cheap labor, why don't we give them uh, labor rights so they can negotiate higher higher wages and working in better working conditions? That is this the humane solution. That is a humane solution that that cares for people, not one in which we want to uh, uh, kick people out and and uh, and treat them inhumanely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just about covers it. Uh, okay. okay, well, thank you, Kyle. Yeah, nice thank day. you. Thank you for listening to Pants on Fire, Exposing Ruling Class Lies, the podcast produced by the International Department of CPUSA. Visit our website, cpusa.org, to learn more about the party. Follow us on Twitter at CPUSA Department and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app.